Hello and welcome to another episode of the 905er podcast. I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. One of the most important things we wanted to do when we launched this podcast was to help in whatever small way we could to amplify the voices of indigenous people in the 905 region and to increase the level of understanding of urban Canadians of how we came to be in this land and what was done to the people who were here first. As it happens, just as the 905er began to record podcasts, there was also the nationwide outpouring of emotion arising from the uncovering of burial grounds of indigenous children who were sent to the residential schools as part of an almost 200 year long campaign to, in inverted commas, educate and legislate indigenous culture out of existence. The purpose of the Indian Act and the residential schools was to pave the way for a Canada where indigenous people, Indians in the language of the time, no longer existed. This was no secret to the First Nations, and, and nor were the burial grounds outside many residential schools. So it's grimly ironic that those who want to downplay the scale of genocidal intent behind government, Canadian government policy since before Confederation now throw the fact that the discoveries of 2020 in 2021 were sometimes already known back in the faces of the relatives of the disappeared and murdered, as if that changes anything. But on a much more positive note, at the same time as the history of the residential schools was exploding on the front pages of newspapers, two women in Halton were creating something new and unprecedented with the potential to do much to bring about a genuine knowledge of the truth and some really genuine reconciliation and more importantly to emphasize on bringing healing to all based on indigenous treatments for in their words healing of the body mind soul and spirit while connecting to the land jody harbour and sherry savel are the two co-founders of grandmother's voice and the first urban indigenous center in halton but also a new kind of education and wellness centre where a collective of Indigenous women are providing programmes that emphasise healing based on traditional methods, open to all. This includes a healing medicine garden, a wellness centre and a community garden. But as you'll hear in our conversation with Jodie and Sherry, it seems like Grandmother's Voice has the potential to grow from its wholesome origins into something of much wider importance. I'd like to thank Sherry and Jody with a Y uh, from Grandmother's Voice uh, up here in Milton uh, for inviting us to their lovely uh, facility to to record this first ever episode live on the uh, on the ground uh, uh, episodes. So thank you very much both of you for uh, for inviting us here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, why don't we start, uh, Jody? I'm going to throw it open to you first. Why don't you just tell us a bit about what Grandmother's Voice is? and what your your purpose for being here is for those of our listeners who might not know about it. We're a community organization, an Indigenous women-led organization, and it, it welcomes all people to come home. That's, that's what our elders say is happening right now in society, is that people are finding their way home, and whether that be you know, an Indigenous person finding uh, out that they're Indigenous or finding out the history of their family. Um, but re- the reality is is that all, all Canadians are, are really 
waking up to find out what their home is all about and and just really um, we just wanted to create a safe space for people to come and belong learn grow and heal uh, and Sherry, we, before we hit record, we were talking uh, a bit uh, outside here. We were saying just, and here in Halton region in particular, there seems to be a real lack of any anything like this uh, existing. Whereas we know that in Peel, Hamilton, even down Niagara region, there are uh, Indigenous friendship centers uh, that reach out to the communities uh, that they serve. Why don't you tell us kind of the, the history kind of before maybe after uh, Grandmother's Voice came into existence? Mm-hmm. I've been in my role. I work for the Halton Catholic District School Board as the Indigenous Education Advisor. And we were doing community events in schools and high schools. And there was really a need for that. And people really wanted to come and learn and be with us. So we were using high schools as a, a way of bringing people together, doing different workshops um, and just and movies or guest speakers that would come. And we actually, it was called Halton Learning Lodge because it was a learning place for all of us to come together. We were promised space uh, through different communities, organizations that we partnered with before, well, not partnered with, but had to set up those community tables. But they were, it never came into fruition with those uh, organizations. And then our school board was had offered uh, a space for us, and it was an independent space. And um, and then COVID hit, and so we just kind of put those kinds of things on on the back burner. And then we end up getting a call from uh, Jamie Reum, who is the CEO of Country Heritage Park, asking for a medicine garden. And we took the medicine garden to be more than a medicine garden. We not only built a medicine garden and had that beautiful medicine garden outside, but when the space came available as well, we just said, we need this space. And uh, because there is not, uh, there's no space for Indigenous people. There's not a friendship center. There's not uh, a space that we can say that it's Indigenous-led here in Halton. And so we created this space here as well. And I was, I was looking at your... Um website he made the point that you know here we are on the the milton country heritage uh there was heritage properties and but there was no place within it of uh kind of recognize, recognizing the people who were here first and the much longer history of, of indigenous people in this in this region so uh so and was it you two who kind of so you two really drove this 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 whole pro- project and, That's right. and got it going I both live in Halton, mm-hmm. and we found each other, you know, through, um, you know, as, as the awareness became in the community, it was, you know, I, I showed up at one of her, one of the school board events, my children went to the public board, and, um, and you know, they're really, I didn't really notice that much being done there, and then I met Sherry, and and just said, I want to support whatever it is you're doing, and how can we do that together, and and I, I had my own thing um, in the community, connecting with my family and, and elders, and I was doing that just from a grassroots way, and then sharing being in the school board. So it was, yeah, let's let's do this together because our teachings are that you don't do it together. You know, you don't do anything for yourself before you do that for community because it, it just doesn't work. And that's, you know, that's our, those are our teachings. So... Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't just about us. It's about this collective. If we uh, are feeling this, then other people must be. And, and that's through COVID. We we built it online, much like you guys with your organ, your your podcast, right? Like people wanted to connect. What 
So on, on the, let's branch off on that note. What's been the response that you found, uh, not just here in Milton, but uh, at Halton at large? You know, well, that's there's that's a loaded question in many ways because Indigenous community members, there's a lot happening in, in the community. You have people that have never um, acknowledged that they've been Indigenous because it was a whole part of shame or, you know, don't tell anyone you're Indigenous, right? That's the pain of, of the truth. And then there's people that didn't know and found out when, you know, the, the graves came through, you know, came to uh, mainstream and people realized it was like the light bulb went on. Oh my gosh, that's why my family never talked about it. Or maybe that's, you know, we were talking earlier about this, our, our generation, right? That was never talked about or taught in school. And, um, and so there was this awakening, right? For people to, to really say like, you know, whoa. So those are that, that's the people. But then, then there's also the bureaucracy. So. You've, you, well, you, you touched on a lot of notes there. I'm trying to break it down yeah. in my head. To, to, let, let, I mean, let's let's talk about. I, mean, I don't want to say it's the elephant in the room, but this is what topic I'm sure a lot of our listeners have in their mind is truth and reconciliation. We are it's June. We are in Indigenous uh, Heritage Month, and I think for some of our listeners, the idea of truth and reconciliation is it's a, a, a more concept than a reality. It, it is. It's to the to a lot of our listeners. That no doubt, this is more of a policy, pie in the sky idea. Wouldn't that be great? What? what how do you view grandmother's voice? The role of making that more concrete, making that bring that that re- reconciliation isn't something that's going to happen out west. It's not happening in Kamloops. It's happening here in Milton, here in the nine hundred five. Mm-hmm. And Joel, I think you really touched on a. Two key words, truth, reconciliation. Canadians have been lied to for a very, very long time, and we're just at the truth-telling stage. And sometimes the truth is really hard, and sometimes the truth really makes you angry, and sometimes the truth really ticks you off. But where do we go when we have those very difficult conversations to have? We have to have a safe place in order to have those difficult conversations. And we have to have it in community because at the policy level, political level, federal level, it's happening at a different rate. It's only community that will accelerate it. When you talk about reconciliation, we go to reconciliation right away because that's an easier road than the truth-telling. Justice St. Clair, who is now a senator, said the truth will piss you off and then you will get in to reconciliation. We're not even at reconciliation yet within Canada when we're still having people in Canada denying the fact that residential schools existed and that the uncovered graves are nothing but a bunch of lies. So we're still at the truth-telling stage before we can even get to reconciliation. Where we're sitting here today is true reconciliation. It is reconciliation at its finest here at Country Heritage Park. We were reached out to and to ask, take space and place. And we did so without anybody signing on the dotted line saying, you owe me X amount of dollars. The space was renovated for us. It was made for us without anybody asking, where's the check? And now the check is in the mail. One of the famous lies, right? But the check is actually in the mail. And we've been doing this work with a handshake for the last year. 
And now having that piece of reconciliation is here in Halton that we're actually moving and we're having those difficult conversations, but we're also bringing community here. And like Jody said earlier, a community of love because people want to have a place and space that they belong to that they can have those conversations. I, I, I maybe want to play devil's advocate here because I know that there are critics who are listening to this podcast who are saying, you know, all this truth and reconciliation stuff, it's just performative nonsense. It's its fluff. Um, you know, how much, how much longer do you have to beat us over the head with with this before, you know, just their words on mine, mm-hmm. get over it. Mm-hmm. Stress playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I, I, I really do because this is not, not my words. But, you know, like, what... How, how do you approach that? And, then, like, and there, are, there, are, there are people, there are allies who are, who are listening who say, how do I reach that? How do, how do I reach across the dinner table to somebody who's been brought up on those generations of lies? Say, we need a, we need a new path forward right. on this. And your words are just get over it. We don't tell Jewish people to get over the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. We don't have to tell people from 9-11 to get over it. Right. This is in our closet. And now that we're shaking out the rug and opening up the shutters, this is what's making Canadians feel uncomfortable. We're talking about people's fragility. They've been lied to, like I said, and Canadians have been lied to for a very, very long time. But now that they have the shutters have been open and the rug is being dusted off um, or shaken. Right. It's kind of like it's shaking our core as well, because we live in a country thinking that we are free, um, that we're safe, right? But only safe and free for certain individuals. We still have a huge problem when it comes to race and racism in this country. We know that people are treated differently in this country than other people, but we don't want to look at that in a critical way, right? And But when it comes to Indigenous people, it's we've been given the education back in the day of subhuman. We're not human. And when we start looking at those kinds of topics and conversations and really looking at who we are as humans, I think that's a, that's a way to go through it. But when you're telling people to just get over it, that's really unfair. Can you tell my mom to just get over it because she t- was taken away from her family for 10 years and raised in a residential school? Can you tell me to just get over it even though I was raised and not with my family and I'm a 60 scoop kid? Right? People... These are real lives today that is happening in, in our country and in Halton. And I, and I guess this way, what, what, what you're doing is so important because I always feel that the prejudice is, is so, it's much diff, harder to maintain the minute you meet someone who's actually lived through it. And for most uh, white European origin Canadians, we just never used to consciously at least, meet First Nations people. Um, and if we did, you're too polite to ask about what... So we're not communicating about that history, plus we were, we all had our kind of comfortable, you know, well, Canada's better than the USA kind of stuff, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, it's really wonderful that, that you're here so that, you know, so we, we don't have another generation of children who grow up not speaking firsthand to the people who went through these experiences. Now, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of really, in particular, there's one article in the National Post um, 
uh, I can't remember the author's name, but it was particularly unpleasant. And basically de- denying the whole existence of the uh, of, of the of the kind of children that are be, you know being uh, uncovered in graveyards across uh, Canada, basically saying, "Well, everybody knew they were there already," or as if that makes a difference. And and, and what struck me was, you know, if the residential schools had existed for how long they existed, one hundred fifty years, almost two hundred years, and not a single child had died. They still would have been genocidal in their intent uh, and what they were trying to do, because they were trying to extinguish a people and a culture. Now, they also managed to seem to kill an awful lot of children, <laughs> one way or another. You know, what kind of you know? I, I don't see in the Halton School Board a whole load of graveyards next mm-hmm. to schools. You know, it's, uh, you know, I'm not the first person to say that, but but yeah, that seems like a really important point. Um, that it's like the, the schools. Are atrocity even without the, the dead children, you know? So this kind of taking us down that road of of, of kind of he- a, a, a head count almost is is a horrendous way. Now I'm giving my own opinions. <laughs> What's your take on all that? On the, this kind of kickback that you get against um, uh, against the the, the, the the what has emerged over the last few few years? The, re- the reality is is that you know everyone is walking their own path. With their own understandings, they we've all come here in this one time, and and the, the reality is is that happened to the original people here. So even just you trying to get out what you're saying to us, you know, makes me even uncomfortable in this chair. You know, you have a hard time talking about it, but the fact that anybody would even try to justify that mm-hmm. is means that that person has their own trauma. In the reality of um, COVID and where we are today, uh, is is that we all now have trauma, and this and there's so much more than just this. And I call this surface conversation because we're guided by some of the most amazing elders in this country who have stepped from their responsibilities in their own community to come into Halton. Because they believe that that we're doing something that doesn't exist anywhere, and the realities are that that um, that the, the truth and reconciliation is a mandate by the government because we are a, a country of education. We have to live a certain way, right? We're we're following this, you know, bureaucracy, and the people that probably have these comments follow the bureaucracy. And you've made me uncomfortable. I was comfortable living off stolen land and, you know, raped women and missing children and killed people. And now you're telling me that that I have to admit that I'm living on stolen land and what I own and worked hard for is not mine. So that's the reality. But what our reality is in Halton is we have the most humble Indigenous people that live around the corner that believe that our ancestors, the ones that have traveled on before us, actually are guiding all of this and guiding all of us. And so, you know, to even, but like, I, we're in this every day. So to even believe, even think um, that people are still stuck in that space of, I've never heard of this or whatever. We're like, are you kidding me? Right? You just don't I know, want to. I, you, you, it's, it's so frustrating. And, and I mean, sorry, I want to just cut in for a second. I, I kind of want to shift gears because I, I want to ask you, the work that you're doing here, the day-to-day work that you're, you're doing with Grandmother's Voice, 
me can you touch in a bit on that that your philosophy or the, and just how try to make that connection between philosophy and action and I don't I know Jody or, or Sherry I, you know what Sherry we talk we laugh about this every day because as much as like you know we have a commitment to the Catholic school board right our and and how they govern themselves is our responsibility in the, that position but we wake up every day we we do what we have to do with the school board because that's you know our job but when community comes we wait to see what happens we have our plans we follow the calendar we do events we invite people in but when people reach out to us and it could be uh, somebody from a shelter, somebody from that just says, hey, I, I just found out. Uh, it could be somebody working in Calgary saying, we see the work you're doing, it's amazing. It, we just are guided. We just wake up every day and we're so lucky for it. And, you know, it's challenging because it's been a year um, and we haven't received government funding. We've been doing this all on so you, relationship you have, building. You haven't received any funding from the federal government for any kind of no, because they've actually um, we've had meetings with the MPs of mm-hmm. Halton, and they actually told us, "Oh, this is too big of a role for you, but I can introduce you to a doctor that that could maybe help you in Toronto." So we were just kind of side like um, side step, yeah, we right? Yeah. Like, because I, I always say, like, yeah. that was racism." Hello, yeah, right. Sorry, my, no, don't kind be of blew, sorry, it just blew my it. mind a bit. So you're telling me that basically we're in the midst of truth and reconciliation. Our federal government is big on you know truth and reconciliation. We're, we're, wanting, we're going to heal the divide that's been existing since the birth of Canada between the First Nations and, and, and the, those who colonized the land. And you're telling me that they gave you the same line that they would have given, the Indian agents would have yeah. given the, 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 reser- the reservation Back in like eighteen whatever, yeah, we haven't we we haven't gone forward and applied for any federal funding, so we haven't got received any federal funding because we haven't applied for federal funding yet, right? But we've also had conversations with our MPs to say this is what we'd like to build. Can you give us some assistance? Help us find the not find the way we know the way, um, but help us in a sense, right? But because we're not a First Nations organization and we're not a, a um, listed as that or a corporation in that sense they just kind of said we'll support you but we won't support you yeah i I think that they're (laughs) like everybody you know somebody said to me the other day an elder actually said um on on one of our talks they were like the the talk is is where did you come from where where, all of a sudden grandmother's voice is is national right we are Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just, and, and this is, you know, a very, we're, we're very spiritual. We are connected to the earth, to the spirit world. A lot of people, and, and we've actually injected that into our relationships and conversations. And, um, and, and as a woman, it is so empowering to know that we can sit and have conversations with corporations that we say, Hey, let us, let us work with you and help us build our community. So, you know, in a sense, we have, we have received funding because our concept from four years ago was sitting at the table with uh, community organizations saying, Hey, we know you have indigenous money because you're doing, you're doing indigenous things. Right. So why don't you hire us women? We'll help collect and get the people together and and you you know write the grants with us but what was happening is sherry would write grants to say like hey you know what are what are they called um uh support 
grant, uh, letters of reference, whatever they are. And then they, they, we'd give them the letter f- to write for that grant and then they'd never hire us. They'd use the money or bring somebody in from a different, a different, um, community because maybe they were men. Like that's, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. That's a reality here in Halton mm-hmm. is that, that our, you know, community members from, from First Nations communities are being brought to tables to make decisions for our community. And the people in the community trying to build community are being overlooked. So we're guided. And when I say guided, the grandmas are like, you just keep doing what's right. It will happen. Mm-hmm. And the values of the indigenous people um, and what our, our elders are teaching us is what's gotten us here. And so you have this kind of grassroots bridge building between settler community and the First Nations that's happening at the grassroots level. I mean, this is kind of like, like this is the kind of stuff that you that you want to see, like for long term growth. And I'm I'm trying to bring the conversation back to something we mentioned off before we hit uh, recording, is that you were mentioning how you were looking. Well, for those who are, for, I should back up a moment for for our podcast listeners who can't see this, but uh, Jody is dressed like she just came in from outside because she was she was working on the community garden. Uh, helping to, uh, well, Jody, just tell us quickly what you were doing in the community garden because I thought that was really impressive when you came in. Oh, <laughs> all sweaty and dirty. And well, you were describing detail. <laughs> well, anyway, that's what I was because it's 100 degrees out. But thanks for asking, you know. Uh, we have some really amazing non-Indigenous um, cousins, we call them, that have helped us really put some things in place here at Country Heritage Park. And we, I was in the back garden um, you know, following, following her, uh, direction, but we've, we've planted three sisters gardens. We're trying to refurbish the, um, soil. You know, there wasn't a lot of minerals we've been doing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, today I was watering bike hand, mm-hmm. um, like four rows, like 40 feet long. And we, we don't have the proper tools. Right. Country Heritage Park provides us whatever we can, but they run a, they run their business here and, so yeah, we're working really hard, but we're tr- we're trusting. And there's something on that note. Sherry was mentioning about how you're working on a, a not a five year plan, and you weren't working on a ten year or even a twenty year plan. She's working. She told me she was working on a seven generation plan. And I want to emphasize that's generation with a G, which for some of our listeners they're saying that's a long timeline. And Sherry, I wanted maybe if you could just kind of. Elaborate on that philosophy for us or for our listeners, because I think some of our listeners right now they're they're parking their cars and going, "What are you doing? Are you a mad woman?" Yeah, and you know, prior to colonization, that's how we would look at things, and then the nations that two hundred million people that were here prior to colonization, they would look at things for seven generations. The the decisions that they're making now, how is it going to affect seven generations down the road? We know that certain things that we do today will definitely impede and prevent certain things from happening seven generations down the road. Um, and we're in a climate crisis. If we were really thinking about seven generations ahead, we wouldn't be in a climate crisis. We would be thinking about how our actions are going to uh, affect people down the road. When I, I have children, I don't have grandchildren yet, but I certainly will know when I'm making those decisions how my decisions are going to affect seven generations ahead. 
we would think a little bit longer, we would counsel a little bit longer, and we wouldn't make rash decisions based on the physical our physical responsibility that we have to get our money spent and those decisions made by March 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not guided by the money. We're not guided, but we're guided by humility and we're guided by human human um, nature that we are that again the planet needs we don't need the planet the plant we the planet doesn't need us sorry um we need the planet more more than that and so we wouldn't if we're thinking about seven generations ahead we wouldn't have dirty water list goes on right it's that kind of i I think you know when you kind of bring it back to that truth and reconciliation aspect and you're talking about right just at the truth part I, i think white people are viewing the, the, the whole discussion with truth and reconciliation as like, well, okay, we, we, we don't, we don't bad stuff happen. Okay. How do we fix it? Can we throw some money at it? Can we pass some laws? Can we, can we change some policies? And I, I think that's, that's kind of the core of like the disconnect that we're having is that if, if our first nations partners are having a seven year time, seven generation timeline that they're envisioning things and we're stuck on, I have so much money left in this fiscal quarter that I need to spend. We're we're not simpatico. We're not we're not going to meet that. We're not we're not going to come together. And maybe that's you know we, we just we, we need to find a way to change our, our mentality again. Come back to that grassroots of we need to start build something new from the, from mm-hmm. the ground up here. What, what we really the foundation of Indigenous people and and this is I guess this is what I I love to share is. Um, is that they're all about relationship, every single thing. So, I mean, you know, my background being an entrepreneur, business owner for a long time, uh, the idea is, yeah, if you have money, we'll put it to use, but we don't just want your money. We want your commitment. So, you know, Sherry and I will meet with organizations and say, like, what, what do you need? Do you need education? Do you need, what do you need? Because we need, we need you to come along with us. So, you know, there's, we've built this based off of, of our, not just us, we now have community members from Oakville, Burlington, Halton Hills, um, Milton, and, and they are showing up and going out to organizations and showing up at the table. They've never been, their, el- their um, ancestors have never been at these tables. And, you know, and, and really, some of the tables just need to leave, break down. Right, some of these tables shouldn't even exist anymore. Right? Well, I mean, I, I, I really like whether by design or whatever the fact that you are kind of doing it your own way, and, and rather than through the approved channels, so to speak, of you, you apply for a grant, and you because it's you're being approved by the system that created this mm-hmm. all yep. the problems. Exactly what the grandma said. And, and, and you know, as, as someone you know, I don't have a huge amount of experience working with government, but we've both had a fair amount of experience working with politicians. So many good intentions that just do not, that that stifle innovation and just getting things done. And it's so frustrating all the time. And it's, yeah, I I think the approach you've taken is really a a breath of fresh air and um, I hope it really takes off. But um, It already has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Now um, we're, we're just deciding, you know, 
we have we have to at some point decide the structure, right? And how all of our re- our relationships that have come forward to support us, the Catholic board, the the Country Heritage Park, you know, our community members, IKEA, like we're 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 really connecting with organizations and people. People in the organizations because through reconciliation, just the idea and how we share the concept when we're talking to people that are like, you know, it's TRC, let's get it done, whatever. It's it's a, a mandate. It's map roadmap, they say, right? This tells you where you fit into these 94 calls to action. Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? And if you if you work or live in those spaces, then then this is how you act. For, for for us, we're we're just like figure out where you where you fit in it. We we fit in somewhere, and so it's really just about about supporting the people, and um and you know how how can we do this together? But we're we're just building it in in that way that you know I don't know did I, I lost no no I'm like I think and then you're right like just building it on what the community wants without having that government interference because both of you have already said that you've had experience working with political organizations or even in that field and you know that runs everybody has good intentions at the very beginning that's why they run to to be politicians but when they get into that spot that space and place they're having to toe the party line and if they don't toe the party line they get chastised or kicked out and so it's one of those things that you know we're we've seen all that and happening so what we're seeing is that we see that community wants this mm. we're just a vehicle for community yeah. and community wants this that anybody anybody is more than welcome to come to country heritage park you don't need an invitation to come through the garden you don't need an invitation to come in here at all either uh, we're here somebody's always here monday to friday and uh, you don't need an invitation if you want just want to come and roll come come and be in this room that we're all sitting in and look at our beautiful carpet um mm-hmm. and which by the way has seven grandfather teachings just so that you know and um but even just going out in the garden and having being in that space and place in the garden and more and more people are asking are we just, can we come up to the garden i have my relative that's in um can we come and have a picnic before our full moon ceremony on for the strawberry moon the other night there was families that came here for a picnic mm-hmm. and it was just so beautiful to see and then we know that that is meant for them we know that our mental health has really taken a, a toll during for COVID. but we have space but there's land out here that you can put your feet on that we're rejuvenizing rejuvenating the soil in the back 40 to be able to have um a seed school to be able to have talks about food sovereignty and food security to let kids know that they've got a safe place to come to, to in order to learn about growing plants we have a whole week here of uh, education week indigenous education week with our school board in grade five that grandma wanda and her sons are teaching kids the importance of the stra- the um corn beans and squash and if, and they all sang a song before they even left with their seeds and kids are really in, kids see this, right? And they, and they see that indigenous people are, oh, they're, they're, they're here and we are alive and we're wanting and to teach. Like and, and, and they look like right? me. They look yeah. like it and they look white. Yeah. Right? They look brown. They mm-hmm. look, they look just like us. And I yeah. think that's, that's another piece too mm-hmm. where, where that's the challenging part for a lot of people. They just have it in their mind that they look a certain way. And, you know, and I think that that's, that's always been a part of my own, mm-hmm. um, my own journey is that, you know, you don't, you don't look indigenous enough. 
and what what exactly like I actually don't compare to the rest of my family, <laughs> and maybe that's why I got this role. Maybe this is why it's my responsibility uh, because I don't need to validate myself. I went through a lot a long time in my life, always knowing I was indigenous, and then having to validate myself to indigenous people and to non indigenous people. And I'm at and I'm at that place now that you know I just I just have to do and be. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, if you don't mind, I'd like to just talk about that why people are coming to the garden because um, you know I we always stop and acknowledge our elders that have been have supporting us because you know they don't have to do this they have their own communities that they still support but but it's they say it's their responsibility to share this knowledge to share it with not just their community but all people it, this is all people, not just Indigenous people. And so when we we were told that we, you know, would come and, and plant this garden here, they came. There were like five, six of them more that showed up and said, let's do ceremony for you, right? Let's let the end. And they came in here and they said, we need to be here. We see our, we see our ancestors. We feel the energy. This, the historical site, you know, we haven't even gotten into the history of Country Heritage Park. Forget that, right? You know, um, we just knew it. And so they did ceremony and we didn't just do it one time. We've done it so many times in the garden. And so, you know, we just have to honor the belief system of indigenous people that we're spiritually connected and that was never allowed to be talked about in society unless you were in a church. Mm-hmm. Talking about it through religion, and and that's just not the reality. We all know we have spirit. We all know that if we didn't have spirit, we would be incomplete. And and so we really believe that another part of what we we offer is that is that healing understanding, and that everyone you know needs to really understand that um, that it was the indigenous values that were here for that and that was the power that was seen and sometimes it sounds hokey pokey to people that are all like bureaucracy you know into bureaucracy and in their head uh but but you know it's we through covid that we realize that we need to get out of our head and into our hearts it it seems like in so many things these days the it's not between left and right necessarily anymore we were talking about this the other day as well uh it's more there are people who just want to be left alone and not be challenged to think about difficult things that might make life more difficult. Like, or maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't be driving this particular type of car, or maybe I could spend a bit of money and have less of an impact on the environment, or you know, a million other things. And I think there's just a lot of people who just like, I don't want to think about it. Leave me alone. And and you know truth and reconciliation is and and you know suddenly saying you know you know that history you were taught at school that's ninety percent BS um, is a real cha- is again is, you're asking people to think and they just hate it. But you know what that is too from our elders is that's grief, trauma, right? That's intergenerational trauma that we right. all carry. We have no idea how did we get here today. We're we're like survival. We've been in survival mode for generations, a century. And and this is this is the way that indigenous elders say, like, they're awake right now. And we were told through prophecies that it's our time right now. And I, I like to think I'm a pretty mainstream person. I'm listening to these elders and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, okay, let's bring this, let's bring this to people because people want it. They want to heal. They want to do what's right. And the ones that don't, well, they're on their own path. And at some point in time, they'll, they'll either realize it or they'll take it with them 
you know, um, in the next time. So I, I really do believe that it's that we're just in a time of realization, wake, awakening to how we got here today. Because I can tell you, I think, you know, before when I woke up 20 years ago, I was like, how did I get here? And every day now has been intentional. I was just going to say, I think I just look at my watch. I think we're coming up on our uh, our episode time limit. Um, <laughs> but I, I would just. I, I, I want to thank both uh, both you, Jody and, and, and Sherry, for having Roland and myself come up here to see your your fantastic digs and and what you're doing here. Um, I think that this is a, a conversation that clearly we can have. We've touched on a lot of notes on this one, mm-hmm. and we're probably going to open up a lot of doors for us to walk through in, in, in future episodes. So I, I I can say for all of our listeners here at the Nine Five, uh, we wish you all the best uh, in, in many years to come and. We look forward to see what uh, what the the next bender on the path has for uh, has for you here at Grandmother's Voice. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for uh, for having us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's it for this episode of the Nine O Fiver. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.